Your life is your greatest work of art, and it all relates back to the synchronicities. Hello, everybody. You are listening to Integrate Yourself with Allison Pillow. I'm your host, and you can find me at allisonpillow.com or finallythrivingbook.com, where you can purchase my audiobook, Finally Thriving, or my paperback book, Finally Thriving. I also have a course that goes with the book. It's a 12-week course and coaching program that you can join. I offer it about three times a year. The next one's coming up this June. I'm changing it to June for May. If you heard that last episode, I needed to change the date a little bit. So I had to push it back because of some uh, other things I have going on. But if you want to be a part of that, I would love for you to. You can uh, check out the class by uh, following the link on the show notes here. And uh, we just explore whole mind, body, spirit integration, really bringing the physical and the energetic together. The last class was a huge success. And I'm very proud of my students uh, for what they accomplished. And I just want to send a big shout out to my students from group two. They did an amazing job and um, graduated with flying colors. Uh, It's the school of life is what we're doing here. So Uh, And it's so much fun. We're making it fun and we're making it very uh, profound in a learning way. So really learning more about yourself, which is key in everything you do. And then you can extend that knowledge out into the world. So you build on your relationship uh, from within and then you can then better, uh, you know, relate to everything that's going on outside of you without it pulling you in and be in a state, uh, you know, come back to a state of calm, confidence, and uh, self-acceptance with yourself, which is really, it is very valuable. We don't talk about it enough, but it's, it's, and more people, I would say, to be fair, are talking more about that lately, because we're beginning to understand how valuable that really is. So these these are the things I love helping people with. And so that's what we do in the class. If you're interested, head over to the show notes and set up a free discovery call with me and I'll get you signed up. All right. So today uh, we have a beautiful guest, Anat Perry. Um, I met her through the Enlifted community of coaches. She has a company called Training Camp for the Soul. She talks today about inner child work. We really get deeper into that topic today because she is a inner child expert and she's been doing this for a while. And her perspective on this was one that I haven't heard before and I loved it. So I hope you enjoy today's show as much as I did. I wanted to give a little insight on something that's been coming up in my field of awareness lately. Uh... One of my gymnastics coaches used to say, it happens to the best of us. So when I was younger, he would say that to me when things wouldn't go my way or when I'd be disappointed by the outcome or when I'd make a mistake. And so what this statement reminds me of as an adult, what it brings me back full circle to now is that, um, I mean, realizing the profoundness within this statement there's, it seems so simple, but it really, there, there's a lot to it. And I'm going to talk about that. It means that 
as you grow and expand within your own physical and energetic capacities, there will be times when you'll begin to see more people in situations that are not in alignment with where you are going and who you are, the truth of who you are. Therefore, you are being called to see the greater lesson within this and to see the truth that is within the best parts of yourself. Sometimes that means you have to step up to the plate and exercise your integrity muscle. Sometimes it means love. Actually, love means sometimes that you set clear boundaries, you have healthy discernment, and you acknowledge the truth, both within and outside of you. And so when things don't go exactly as you planned outside of your, in your environment, as you perceive it, just know that you are being called or just know that they are calling the best parts of you to step up to the challenge and to expose more of your own truth and integrity. So when I say they, meaning uh, your higher self, the universe, source, energy, is calling you to step up and realize the truth within you. So those best parts of yourself are wanting to come out more and more. And so that's why we see sometimes things or situations in our life uh, that are not in integrity or not in alignment because we are being called to change that from within and to uh, bring out more of the best parts of ourselves. So that's what that means to me. And I really thought about this recently as I've had my own experience in life. Um, it's rare that I that I really come across people that are uh, in, my, in my personal life that are out of integrity uh, because I hold high standards for the people I hang out with. But I did come across that recently, and I've I've had to really think about this, and um, it's helped me step into my own truth and really get clear with my own boundaries and come into more integrity with myself. So I hope that you can see the situation for what it is, what you are meant to learn from it, and also uh, step into that uh, greater power within yourself to take it to the next level. So that's how I see it, too. So with that, with that insight, I want to introduce you to Anat Perry. Um, And if you love this show, please subscribe. If you haven't already, please share it with friends and family. And if you love it even more, I'd love it if you'd give a review for the show. Uh, We have now reviews on Spotify and Apple. And that goes for my book, too. If you've read the book and you love it, please share your experience. I always love reading those. It just makes my heart sing so much when I see that. Thank you so much. And I appreciate you. Appreciate you listening. And uh, without further ado, it is my honor and my pleasure to introduce you to Anat Perry. Everybody, enjoy. Your life is your greatest work of art. And it all relates back to the synchronicities. Today, I'm here with a very special guest. Anat Perry is an inner child expert, trauma-informed coach, and the founder of Training Camp for the Soul. For over seven years, she's guided her clients through the process of mastering the wisdom of their body and emotions to choose to live the life they desire with ease instead of force and sacrifice. With 18 years of experience in developmental work and years of study as a trauma-informed coach, Anat 
has combined mindset, somatic healing, and inner child reparenting to create training camp for the soul method. Anat considers it her mission to help people thrive, live a life where they feel connected and safe within and with others, and reclaim their power to be the creators of their reality. She has guided hundreds through the TCS method, marriages, books, businesses, fulfilling lives, and babies have been all created by her clients working with her. That's fantastic. Thanks so much, Anat, for being on the show. I'm really happy you're here, and we're going to talk about some really good stuff. Awesome. Thanks, Allison. Thanks for having me. You're so welcome. I'd love it if you'd share with my audience how you got into this. I usually ask that question for most of my guests just because I'm always curious, you know, of the journey that it took to get to where you are at now and how you're helping people. Cause it's always, you know, we always went, we've gone through the journey ourselves, but where we can really help other people in that area. So I'd love for you to share more about that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the journey definitely began with myself. Um, I would say, you know, in my teenage years, uh, my friends always came to me for, for, for wisdom. <laughs> I was the advice keeper. God knows what I said to them. <laughs> it was, could, you know, be a fly on the wall or wind the clock. Uh, I'd be like, oh my God, is that really what you said? But whatever it was, it always created peace of mind for them. It always came back for more. So there was just this natural ability in me to coach. And um, obviously advising is very different than what I do today. Um, but I spent most of my uh, 20s, I've been in this industry for going on 18 years, and I spent most of my 20s um, in that discovery for myself, uh, trying many different methods. And really, even though there was a part of me that always wanted to coach and help others in this way, I was really focused more on me at that time. I wasn't thinking about that. I was thinking about you know, healing certain relationships in my life, uh, finding my own happiness. I mean, I struggled with a lot of like codependency and low self-esteem. And uh, so embarked on that journey in my mid-20s and was really frustrated eight years into it because life didn't look any different. I had a lot of uh, awareness and it felt like I was just trimming weeds. Constantly, it's like, hey, I'm aware of the weeds, but the tools that I had didn't get to the depth that uh, could create lasting transformation. Um, but it it trained me well. It did, and um, I ended up hitting my lowest point in my life of leaving a five year relationship, uh, being lost in my career, moving from the East Coast all the way to the West Coast with like. $2,000 to my name, $40,000 in debt. This was just 10 and a half years ago, actually. And uh, I knew that like what I knew wasn't making a difference. It didn't, it wasn't enough. And I was ready to just follow whatever my heart did know, which was, I don't want to live in New York anymore. I don't want this relationship anymore. California is calling me and uh, I'm going to follow that and let the rest be led to me and um i'm glad i followed my heart in that day because uh that began my what i call my surrender experiment have you read that book oh i have yeah that's a great yeah yeah 
yeah, by Michael Singer. When I read that book a few years ago, I was like, this is me. He just has like 35 years on me. But it started to really, um, you know, it's like when you hit your rock bottom, you can't fall off the floor. So the only way from there is, you know, at least on your knees. And I remember just praying to God, the universe, and saying, you know, here I am at the time, almost 33 years old. Clearly, I don't know what's best for me. So, you know, take the wheel, <laughs> take over and started to let go of that knowing and that ego. You know, living in New York, very much we're, we're ingrained with like, you know, if you can make it here, you can make it anywhere and just force and push and do and do. And uh, moving in California was like a big shift for me in that. And like, I'm just going to let go of thinking that I need to do or figure it out and was bit by bit guided. I was guided to realizing where there was a lot of lack of self-love for me, where there was deeper healing for me to do. I was led to plant medicine and that started to introduce me to the world of my body, of somatics. It was the first time I actually experienced having uh, emotional releases. Up until that point, I realized all the work that I had done was cognitive work, was mindset work, which is great. It's part of the equation to this day, for sure. But I was lacking the rest. And so embarked on that journey, which then led me to uh, a mentor of mine who had been a body-mind psychologist for over 40 years. He's no longer with us on this earth plane, but I had the pleasure of working with him. And when I went to him, he said to me, you know, I went to him for my own, my own challenges. And he said to me, you're different. You have a lot of awareness. I'm like, oh yeah, I'm aware of myself. He's like, you're just here for finishing touches. I'm like, please, yes, help me. And I was able to move through the work that he took me through in four months, where it usually took people nine months plus. And he said, he saw something in me that I didn't see. He was like, you have a gift with this. Would you ever want to learn to do what I do? And um, I wasn't sure at the time. I was like, ah, my inner child was like, hey, let's just still focus over here on like your own healing journey. And about a year later, I reached out to him and said, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm curious, I'm interested. And so I, I mentored with him and um, he really introduced me to the world of the combination of the mind and the body and how they could work cohesively together and inner child work and somatic work. And um, about a year later, seven and a half years ago, I launched my business training camp for the soul. and. I felt like the most important thing 10 years at that point into my self-development journey was my own embodiment that I knew, okay, where I've gotten myself to and the tools that I have right now uh, got me there. Okay. Now I feel comfortable working with other people because I know that if I could get myself here, if I could feel this embodied, then I have the right tools to support others. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, because like you said, it's all in your in your mind. It kind of gets stuck in your mind and we intellectualize it until we actually feel that energetic shift where we can really feel it and it's believable to us because we're 
we are living it, right? It's that, uh, so it's allowing yourself to integrate that new way of being in the mix there. And so that that's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Um, and, and that I think is important for people to learn how to do because uh, we are taught to consume a lot of information. And so people are really bogged down with that. And then they're left with, you know, just thinking about a lot of things constantly about what's right. And except until they, they realize that like you did, you know, there's a, there's a right path for me as an individual and I'm going to follow that. And it takes a lot of courage. So in a way, I think of it like uh divine will replacing your will in a way, because it's like mm-hmm. our will has limitations, right? Like you're saying from New York, it's like you push it, you push it. And that only goes so far. But when you actually really surrender to divine will and you let go completely and and be and you're guided that way, then there's so much potential there, right? Yeah. 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 And it's it's not not for the faintest of heart. It's not necessarily <laughs> easy. It's a constant practice, even to this day, for us to uh for us, I mean, for myself to surrender, to um, let go of what I think I know is best for me or let go of the fears that I have and to just trust that there is divine will, that it is all working out. And at the same time, to keep checking in, it's not like we completely let go, but keep checking in with like, what lights me up? What lights me up? What does my heart really desire? What feels icky and sticky as opposed to expansive, open? Yeah, that's really important. And that's like the first big step for most people, because most people I've found too that, and I was in this situation as well, where I didn't even know what I really desired or what I really wanted until I examined that and I reflected on it. And I was like, oh, actually... It made life a lot more fun because then I was owning it more than just being dragged from one thing to the other, depending on, you know, who I was around and stuff. But um, that leads us to the next thing, like the gate that um, opens you to that really is, in my experience, the inner child work, right? Because a lot of times, you know, we may be blocked in those areas of knowing really what we desire if our inner child is not being acknowledged or heard, you know, and so what, what, what are your thoughts on that and not? Yeah, well, you know, we, we, our life is a movie. That's how (laughs) I like to say it. Your life is a movie and you are the writer, director, producer, and actor. The movie called your life. And you also cast people to play roles in your movie. Now the script the script was inherited. It was all imprinted and written out by the time you were seven years old. And you learned it mainly from your caretakers, mom and dad, by what you saw, what you heard, what you felt energetically from them, either how they made you feel or how they felt about themselves. And you either copied or rebelled or created a way to survive if there was some incident that you couldn't fully process that was traumatic to you. And so all of this forms that script and all we do is keep playing that script over and over again. So I, I'm sure the, those listening right now, you can look at areas of your life and you're just like, why do I keep attracting that same type of relationship? Or why do I keep ha- bumping up against the same 
challenges in my career, even though I keep switching careers? Like, what is it? And it's just like, oh, it's the script. It's yes. The <laughs> um, and so, you know, one of the things that I teach is that it's not who you are. It's what you learned. And if you learned it, you can unlearn it. And that's the process of like inner child reparenting. Um, you know, learning to uncover and explore what it is that you learned from mom, what it is that you learned from dad, and really exploring like what the impact was on you in those moments. And what did you need? And giving, learning to give that inner child what he or she needed. So obviously there's a lot more depth. Yeah, well, it, it it is important. I mean, it, it it's a lot. A lot of times, people don't understand the magnitude of that, like the effect that their the roles that their mother and father played in their lives, or you know, who, however you were parented, um, or taking care of when you're younger, has that effect through the rest of your life. It's still playing out in the subconscious until we begin to heal it and begin to, like you said, reparent ourselves. Because our parents, whether they were good role models or not, were there, you know, their purpose is to is to parent you and prepare you to to then go off and parent yourself and take care of yourself, right? But not all of us got that. So we're we're really confused about how to do that when we get older. You know, it's just like I have no idea because I I, I wasn't taught that, you know, and like you're saying, it's it's something that you can unlearn and relearn the the healthier ways to do these things. And then I feel like that really does create a lot more safety and security and uh, comfort to be able to even just listen to your inner voice, right? Yeah. Well, that's the other big part is learning how to listen to your inner voice. And your inner child is also, it's not just your inner voice, it's your inner emotions. It's your emotions. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's that's the way I teach my clients to relate to it, whether that emotion is excitement, uh, happy, horny, or it's sad, I'm scared, I'm afraid, I'm anxious, I'm angry. Either way, it's that little boy or little girl feeling that part. And for us to learn how to nurture our emotions instead of label them as good or bad and the bad ones need to go away and they need to be fixed and they need to stop. And the good ones are the only ones to acknowledge. Um, that's, uh, yeah, that's the gap that, um, that I work on with my clients to fill is really to learn to invite and welcome the full spectrum. Because yeah. as kids, you know, I'm, I'm here in Maui right now uh, visiting my brother and my two nieces who are like two and a half and five. And uh, it's so beautiful to know this stuff, to have the awareness of the inner child. And then to watch my niece, my two and a half year old niece, ride that wave of emotion to go from one second, like laughing to, you know, 2.2 seconds later, she, she could be crying to then she could be frustrated. And that's just like, you know, the way that she knows to express herself. She's just riding the wave of her energy and um, how much her parents have learned. Uh, to embrace that, right? But a lot of times um, we lose connection to that or we're told, hey, what's, you know, what's wrong? Why are you crying? Is crying is wrong or stop screaming or stop having a tantrum. And then you start falling into that 
um, programming of it's not okay to feel these things. It's only okay to laugh. Like, you know, you never say to your kid, why are you laughing so much? (laughs) Right. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. So we all have that hurdle because it's very much ingrained in many of us that there's good emotions and bad emotions. So learning to embrace all of it and know how to reparent and nurture our emotions and move through our emotions is really the key to everything. Because when you, same thing, like when you allow a child to have that experience, they can, they can, they can, they can move forward. They can access their creativity and play again because you're not keeping them stuck with like, Hey, stuff this one down, only feel this one. That's a, yeah, that's a great point. And I feel like a lot of adults experience life that way, right? They continually stuff those emotions and then they don't have that capacity to be creative and to play because of that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then they say, I'm stuck. I'm stuck. Yeah. Right. Stuck. Or they're spinning in their head. They're trying to figure out. And then they get so frustrated that they just, that we turn to some kind of vice. Whether yeah. it's, you know, I'm going to get grab a pint of ice cream. I'm going to eat something yummy. I experience pleasure because I'm in so much frustration and discomfort. Or, you know, I'm going to, you know, grab a glass of wine unwind instead of actually let my nervous system do the unwinding. Yeah. That's a big one. Yeah. That's a big one. Yeah. We usually, there's, we, we, we go to vices uh, in order to do your substances to do that for us when, you know, many people don't realize it, that you do have access to that. It's just a matter of learning how learning the tools and, you know, implementing those as well. And, um, I wanted to ask you about uh, the difference. You had brought up the difference between, and I think you said, indulge, uh, feeling your emotions and indulging in them. What it, What is the difference that you're seeing between those two? Because that is a good point to make. Like sometimes people get really stuck in that emotion and they can't really move it through, right? Yeah, yeah. Or they think, oh, I'm really good at feeling my feelings. Because you hear a lot of stuff right now about like, you want to heal it you got to feel it and people are like oh yeah I feel I feel my anger or I cry I have no problem crying and usually my next question to them is okay you're good at feeling your feelings but are you allowing those feelings to move through you or are you indulging in them and so uh, the difference is indulging is like feeling a fire that you actually want to put and so something happens that triggers you, right? That either makes you upset or let's say angry. And that trigger response, that response into, you know, a sympathetic state, fight or flight is happening in your body, in your nervous system. But we quickly go from that to our mind of like, uh uh-oh, to labeling it, I'm feeling angry, good or bad. And then we look for why or we indulge by collecting more evidence for it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. By all, you know, all the stories. Like, let's say you're, you're, uh, you go on a first date 
And then like, you don't hear from the guy the next day, even though he said he had the best time ever and he wants to see you again. And so it's not to get triggered by, I haven't heard from him yet. But then you go into thinking about, well, maybe he didn't like me so much. I think I kind of did this. Like you, you create all this evidence and you start making yourself feel even the worst about it. So to me, that's the indulging that like perpetuates it or actually could make you feel worse about it. And feeling your feelings is really getting at the level of what that feeling feels like, which is the level of sensation, which is the language of our nervous system. So, you know, ever feel like excitement, you've been excited, right? Yeah. And then you've also felt anxious right? Mm -hmm. Don't they feel very similar in the body? Yes. Yeah. Yes. But it depends on the circumstance, right? Yeah. So getting away from how we're labeling it as uh, excite, excited or anxious to where in my body am I feeling this right now? So locating where it is and then getting curious about it and seeing if you can name it in as many ways as possible. Like, okay, it's in my chest. Uh, does it have a size? Uh, size of like a baseball. Does it have texture? It's rough. Color? It's white. And temperature? Is it heavy? Is it light? Is it moving? Is it still? So many ways as possible. And what this does is, hey, it puts your focus on that energy gets you out of your head. And when you're focused there, your nervous system is able to process and digest it because you're speaking the language of the nervous system. Right. Think about when you cut your finger, let's say. What do you feel? Pain. Pain, right? We label yeah. it as pain. Yeah. And it's intense. And it's not the ointment or the Band-Aid that does the healing. It's your body, your nervous system. I believe the reason that the sensation is painful is intense. Intense enough where it pulls for your focus, right? Because yeah. it's pulsating. It pulls for your focus. It is the signal to your body, to your nervous system. Hey, this area needs healing. But when it comes to our emotions, what do we do? We're able to stuff it down, mm -hmm. to dissociate from it, to go into our head because it's not as, you know, intense, zingy as a burn or a cut. So it takes intentional focus for us to bring the attention to that part start to get granular with the sensations of it so that the nervous system can process and digest it. I love that metaphor that you used. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense because when I was younger, I was an athlete and I used to do a lot of, um, uh, I had physical pain and then I had emotional pain. And then I kind of wasn't able to tell the difference between the two because I just bought, I, I just I kind of created the resilience to pain. 
uh, with gymnastics, you know, and it's just like you had, there's a lot of physical pain that goes with it. And um, so I just got really good at also um, suppressing the emotions too, out of the need of survival at that time in my life. So I, I honor that part of me. And then I learned later that, wow, okay, it's not, <laughs> you know, it's okay to cry. Like I used to feel like I needed to cry in p- private. You know, it's like something is wrong with me. If, and I would think other people would think something's wrong with me if they saw me crying. Because in, you know, in sports, you know, you're not really, especially gymnastics, you're not really um, allowed to show emotion. You have to kind of be almost like it seems happy all the time, you know, and it's, and like just, on stage stone face yeah Yeah, it's like a performance like i felt like my life was a performance and i was like god this is a lot of pressure so uh exactly and so then when i got older as an adult i i'm like now getting into other things that help me express emotion like i was in uh emotional coaching uh it's kind of started out with self-help through an emotional coaching intensive i was involved with for some years and then um, from there, I, I started getting into like other arts, like improv and, and you know, mm-hmm. acting where it was kind of allowed to be like that. And and I could give myself permission in, in that way. And then that translated into just and singing, too. That just translated into me able being able to do that in life. So like some of these things uh, can really be helpful for that. And, and if you're feeling stuck, I would, I would assume that like, just start there, just notice, like you're saying, be aware of what's happening and then say, okay, like, where can I go from here? Right. Because I mean, if you've been stuffing it for a while, it's, it's really, I, in my experience, it's like quite uncomfortable to make that next transition. Cause like you said, it it's not like a pain point on your body. Like it doesn't require your attention right away, but then you'll feel it build over time. Like something's not right. Right. Yeah. It takes, you brought up a good point. Um, it, it takes time to reconnect to it, to wake up those sensations again um and i have a practice for that uh but also think of it like again your emotions is your inner child so if you've been stepping down or ignoring or disassociating or numbing those emotions it's like drugging that child or putting that child in a box so now you're like okay okay yeah i you want to learn to feel those parts again. Well, it's like opening that box up and saying, okay, you can come out. That child's not going to jump out and into your arms and tell you how he or she feels right away. They're going to tiptoe out and be like, are you sure? Like, can I trust you? So same thing, being kind and patient and compassionate with yourself. If you are starting to embark on inner child work on reconnecting to your body and your emotions that it's going to take some time to remember what it is to feel safe in your body and to connect into that in that way and to activate sensations like what is it to have a sensation again yeah that's a really good point and um you i know you have a method that helps people even though you're saying it might take a long time yeah depending on the individual but there's a practice that you share uh how to move through your emotion in 90 seconds is how you describe it tell me more about that because that sounds 
pretty cool. Uh, if someone could, you know, but I would guess that it would be through feeling it, but um, please, yeah, definitely expand on that. Cause that sounds yeah. great. Yeah. Yeah. They've, they've done Harvard studies on this, but it takes 90 seconds to move through an emotion. The reason that we, a lot of times don't experience it that way is that we're not allowing the emotion to move through because we're indulging in it or we're trying to fix it or in our head, we're not actually being with that sensation. And, and so it gets louder and bigger, right? And so, um, and again, it's not like um, someone says, well, you're telling me I can move through grief in nine seconds? And it's like, no, no, no. But it comes in waves. Emotions come as waves. So if you're experiencing grief, because let's say you lost your, you know, you had to put your dog down or something, um, you're going to notice that you're going to, it's going to come up for you. And if you allow yourself to fully express it through that, you know, the tears that may come through or just the sensations that are there and you time it 90 seconds or less, and then you're going to, you're, you're going to relax again as long as you're not feeding it. Right. I know what it's like to indulge in, in crying to be like, Oh my God, everything's so hard. I'm gonna fail and it's never gonna succeed, right? And that's how like we end up indulging. So when I say that you can move through any emotion in 90 seconds, yes, and it requires all these other parts of it. It requires that you reconnect the feeling safe in your body, that you uh quiet that mind, that you uh let go of any uh, additional stories about it, and that you just be with that present moment experience that you Accept that a part of you is feeling that. A lot of times, when we have certain emotions come up, we we, we judge it, question it. Why am I anxious? Why do I feel this way? How can I stop feeling this way? And all those statements are ways that we are not accepting. If we're not accepting, we're not we're rejecting. And if we're rejecting, we're not connected to it. And if we're not connected to it, then it can't move through us. Right. In 90 seconds. So. <laughs> yeah. It's just like what you're saying with your niece who is like mm -hmm. riding that wave, you know, and she's, mm -hmm. she's just doing that, demonstrating that beautifully by going through the emotion and then going through the next emotion. And I think that's, that is how we're naturally supposed to function, you know, like as human beings. And it, it, I know you've probably heard this story from, from Mark England about the, the animal that shakes. I mean, everybody's probably heard of yeah. this, but you know, it's just like an animal that the just gazelle. shakes off the trauma and keeps going, you know, that quick little shake. And then they're on to the next thing. And we haven't been trained or been taught how to, how to do that. We, we, we tend to be able to ha have the capacity to hold that trauma or those emotions in for long periods of time. So, uh, yeah, I think this could be really helpful for people, um, to still allow them, like you said, without attachment, without judgment to, uh, just allow them to feel and not, not, you know, again, not attach a story to it or try to rectify it or anything like that. It just is, you know, and that's, how you feel as a child that I think that's also another way to connect with your inner child by acknowledging just how they feel, you know, this is, this is yeah. how they feel right now. And that's okay. It doesn't, <laughs> doesn't necessarily have to mean anything. It's just, it just is, you know? 
Sometimes that's all it takes. Yeah. That is all it takes. It's it's simple. Healing your inner child is simple. Feeling your feelings and your emotions is simple, but like it's, it's easy. Maybe is the word I'm looking for. It's easy, but we've complicated it. Yeah. And there's just all these little steps that we get to learn. So one of the, um, one of the visualizations that I like to give people is imagine anytime you're feeling any emotion, especially the ones that uh, <laughs> you don't want to, <laughs> is take your breath, close your eyes, and imagine yourself in your bedroom. And imagine your whether if, if you're if you're a parent, it could be even a little easier for you to picture your your little little son or little daughter coming into your room. If you're not a parent, if you're an auntie like me, same thing, or you have neither, just see if you could picture your younger self, innocent five-year-old, four-year-old self as the part that's walking into the bedroom. And that's the part that's expressing, I'm anxious, I'm scared, I'm angry. And then imagine, what does that little one need in that moment? That's going to make a difference. Does he or she need you to say, oh, like if she walks in and says, I'm, I'm upset. Timmy didn't want to play with me in the park today. Or I'm upset because I didn't hear from this boy that I uh, you know, had a date with. Well, that's because you're not pretty like the other girls. That's because you don't matter. That's because you're you're a loser. That's because you're no fun. That's what we do with ourselves. Yeah. We make up all these stories about it. Yeah. Right? So that's not needed. I'm modeling what's not needed right now. And then the other thing we do to ourselves, we're like, well, just, you know, why? Why do you feel that way? Why? Why? What happens when you question a kid? Why? They're just like, ah. Mom, just witness me. Okay. Just witness. Just say, oh, acknowledge. First off, acknowledge what is happening as what's happening. Yeah. So literally, I'm I'm anxious. Yeah, I'm anxious. And then pick that little one up. So give yourself that hug, that caress. And let yourself know I'm here. I love you. It's okay. What you're feeling is valid right now. Where do you feel it? And then drop more into that. So picturing that, seeing if you could continue to give to yourself what you know that little one needs that would actually make a difference. And if you're a parent, you have many opportunities to practice this with your kids. And they are also there as your teachers to to remind you how to ride the waves of your emotions. Absolutely. Yeah. I always, I I always thought I I learned how to parent my own kids before I learned how to parent my own inner children, you know, so they were kind of my first, you know, round of uh, practicing that for myself as well. And uh, well, what I have a a question came up as you were talking and uh, I was thinking, because from my experience working with people with the inner child work, like you said, it, and I believe this too, it's really easy and it's really simple. It's not complex at all. And it, it creates an, uh, an entire new, entirely new level of safety for yourself and security and nurturing. And it's just a beautiful thing, but it's, and it seems like so many people are afraid of it. You know, what's your experience with that? Have you, have you 
have you seen what do you why do you think people are afraid to connect with their inner children um yeah why are they afraid to feel their feelings why why are they afraid to be with their emotions um because it's become so foreign we're so disconnected and we have so many practice you know years of believing that this emotion is wrong that this one is bad you know if you're a boy you know how many boys got told you know stop crying you're a boy be a big boy they're just like oh my god it's wrong for me to, to feel sad or to express through tears and it's so ingrained that there's there's fear there around I, I don't even know if I could do this. It's like a um, a muscle that has not been exercised for so long that, you know, when you go back to the gym and you start exercising it, what do you feel? It's hard. It's painful. It's, you're, you're more sore. So there's that edginess. And a lot of times um, this is where people need handholding. They need that uh, like being spotted at the gym. They need that spotter to get past that period of time of, of the fear of the discomfort of it. Yeah. That, yeah, that's a great way to put it. Yeah. And that's why support is so important um, with any kind of self growth thing you're going through trying, you know, it's, you don't have to do it all by yourself. There's a ton of people out there, including yourself and not who can help you um, transmute this, you know, and, and move to the next, you know, yeah. evolution in your life. Right. Um, mm-hmm. well that, that goes with my next question, which is, uh, you talk about the five stages that it mm-hmm. takes to heal and transform. And we're talking about transformation here. And, um, yeah. and it's really, yeah. Another thing, it, it just seems to be, uh, I'm not th- thinking of the right word here, but it's like, uh, it's not coming to me right now, but I feel like, like it's so important what we're talking about. It's, it's so important for the healing process and the next stage of transformation, uh, for people. But yet I don't think there's a lot of, uh, importance put on it in society, but, um, but I know this is a big part of it, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, the five ages. A lot of times before I give you guys what those stages are, uh, a lot of times in self-development work, I know for me in my earlier years of doing therapy or cognitive work or mindset work, it was like hopping from stage one to stage five. And you know, stage one is awareness. So a lot of times that's what brings people to pick up a book, to listen to that podcast, to listen to this podcast um to embark on working with a coach is that they're aware that there's something that they want to change and then there's a lot of other things that become aware that you didn't know that you didn't know so you know stage one is something that we all get to stage two is acceptance and this is where it already gets stuck and sticky or people skip it because the second you want to fix it the second you make it wrong, you're not accepting it. And that's stage two. And there you are, stuck in stage one. Because you can't skip. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. 
So acceptance and not and, and acceptance like not just saying like yeah I accept this, but like sometimes what accepting it means you most of the time is you got to feel something you never wanted to feel before. You know, accepting that you know daddy wasn't there for you isn't just telling it yourself. I know I did this. My dad was a wonderful, loving father, but he worked a lot. And so he didn't spend enough time with me as a little girl. And I remember in my early years of becoming aware of this, how I skipped acceptance is we justify it. Say, well, yeah, but dad was like, he was loving. He was great. He was providing for the family so that mom could be home with kids. And right there, we are gaslighting ourselves. We are dismissing it. We're not letting the part of us that had that, like for me, the part of me that felt sad, missed dad, needed dad, we're not letting that part be acknowledged. And so that part, that piece of the puzzle is out of place. And so accepting these things or if mom and dad got divorced and you might say well yeah but they were awful together they needed the divorce yeah but what was the impact on the little one and accepting it for me accepting it accepting that I didn't get the amount of time and the love that I needed for my father brought up a lot of grief a lot of sadness so acceptance sometimes People are afraid of it because it opens up, quote unquote, that can of worms. <laughs> yeah, it just allows you to feel what you weren't feeling before, right? What Those you feelings weren't feeling. Back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, it, but the feeling of it, it completes that loop that's been yeah. incomplete. It heals that part that's felt that wound. It takes that piece of the puzzle and puts it back in place and says, you belong here. This was your experience. At one time, you needed daddy or you needed this for mommy or you needed something and you didn't get it. And so you got stuck with this belief or you created some way to survive it instead. You basically wrote into your script something that's not you in that moment. And so by accepting it, it's like allowing ourselves to look at that line in the and say this happened this is part of the script and if I'm not willing to look at this line in the script I can't cross it out and replace it with something else so that's stage two acceptance stage three is getting to the root of it is the discovery of what's at the root of it and that could look like a few different things it could look like just the sensation that's there, like we did before, like, what is it bringing up? Where do I feel this? That's the root of it is, is I'm still present to this emotion right now. Or it could be a deeper exploration of who modeled this to me. At what point did I take this belief on as true? Is this mom's energy or dad's energy? And by the way, they model different things. Mom is an extension of self. Mom is your role model for yourself. Why is that? Because at one point you were connected to mom. You, mom with me, I'm mom. 
And so the second you're born, you don't know that this is mom you're looking at. You just know that the energy feels familiar, feels like home, feels like what you're in for nine or so months. And so you look at mom as me, as an extension of yourself. And in that moment, moment, mom becomes your role model for everything about yourself. How you treat yourself, how you see yourself, how you talk to yourself, how you take care of yourself. And you either copy or you rebel. So if mom was, you know, unable to take care of herself, really depressed, all this stuff, you either, you might have said, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm going to take care of mom. And you became someone who needed to survive that incident and take care of mom. And so maybe you learn to take care of yourself in that way because something you didn't get as a child. So it's, it's complex. That part of like getting to the root is where it is, is, is the depth of my work is a lot of times what, until you have the practice of that, you may not be able to explore it in that depth, but you can try. You can ask yourself, whose energy is this? Is this mom or dad? Is this what I saw, what I heard, what I felt? What did I need in that moment? What did I need from mom? And then because mom models the self, you want to give yourself what you needed. So if mom was really hard on herself, really judgmental, and therefore judgmental of others, what did you need? I needed compassion and I needed to know that I could let it be messy and that I could fail and fuck it up. Oh, okay. So I need to be compassionate, let it be messy with myself, and just take take action. Now, dad, dad models everything that's not the self. That is your world. That is love. That is your daddy as your first experience of something outside of you loving you. A lot of times we hold dad on a pedestal because we want to experience that external love. Dad represents the world and your relationship to others. So if you're challenged with anything that is not yourself, not related to you, then you may want to look at what a dad modeled to me. And sometimes it can be both parents. And you can say, okay, well, dad modeled this. Well, what did mom model in this life? Is that impacting me as well? There's layers to it there. Those are all good questions. Oh my gosh. Yeah. 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 And with dad, again, he, he wasn't connected to us, but he represents the heart. So. Anytime uh, you are exploring, unlearning that, you have to bring in the heart, the vulnerability, the connection. So it's not about what did I need from dad? Let me give myself that. It's what did I need from dad? And how do I express it in a way that drops them into his heart? Hmm. Hey, dad, when you didn't spend, you know, when you're always working, I feel sad. I feel alone. Now, if you said that to your dad as a little girl, it would wake him up. Instead of saying, Daddy, play with me, play with me. Instead of complaining, he'd be like, Kid, I gotta work. Yeah. You get the difference? Mm-hmm. The complaint, dad's like, Kid, I gotta work. And you're like, Dad, let me show you intimacy. Into me, you see. Let me let's connect. He's not connected to you the way mom is. You got to bring that connection with others in the world by opening yourself up, by letting yourself be seen, by learning to be vulnerable, 
and saying, when you do this, I feel this way. I would love it if we spent more time together. That would make me happy. Oh, feels different, feels connected. That's the way to unlearn and re-engage in that way whenever something comes up with other. So that's stage three. Wow. <laughs> We're only on stage three, huh? <laughs> I know that one is, that one is, is the bulk of the work. Stage yeah. Four is the, the releasing and the replacing. So sometimes the releasing is, is just your nervous system being able to digest and process that emotion or accepting what happened and just allowing yourself to finally grieve it could create that shift and that relief. Yeah. And then um, making sure that we replace it. And I want to pause and say here, for those of you listening, if you've done a lot of self-development work and you're frustrated because you're like, what, why am I still struggling with X, Y, Z? Take a look. Where are you in the five stages? What stage did you skip? So another common one that I see skip when people do shadow work uh, a lot of times or they've done some uh, inner child work is that they'll get really good at feeling the feeling, they'll get good at clearing that out, but they won't necessarily replace it with something new. Right? Mm, they'll yeah. know how to um, become aware of what it is and edit it out, right? Cross it out mm-hmm. from the script. But then, what are you what are you replacing it with? When I did a lot of plant medicine for for a year or two. That, that, I mean, plant medicine is going to help your energy, your emotions to release, <laughs> to clear for your nervous system, to clear out a lot of trauma. But if you're not aware of what it is that you're clearing or what you want, if you're not replacing it with something new, then you're going to default to the old. Yeah. So making sure that we're saying, okay, uh, I, if it's like, I don't know how to, I'm, I'm afraid to be open with others to clearing that out to where you learn that, then saying it's safe to, it's important to put in there. Well, now it's safe to be vulnerable. Here's what's possible. It's safe to be vulnerable. And then bringing that into practice, that's stage five integration. Mm. And the integration could look like educating yourself. This is where books and podcasts and you know, mentors in specific areas this is where you really have room to take in that information. Because how many times do we realize, oh, there's a way that I, I am that I don't like being and I want to be this way. So you find someone on Instagram that's that way and you think that just by following them that you can, or reading their book, that um, you'll change. But you just skip the middle stages. Right. It's like... Uh, it's like having a weed in a garden. It's like, hey, I'm aware of that weed. I'm going to go to, you know, to the garden store. I'm going to buy some new seeds. I want I want roses in here instead. Like, great that you have that awareness of what you want. You got to make room for it. Yes. And now that you've made room for it, you've got to plant something new in and then bring it into practice. So again, education at that point may be necessary. So you may say, well, So I want to be vulnerable. Yeah, I guess it's safe to be vulnerable. And I have no idea what it's like. It's never been modeled to me. I don't have enough of a language around it or awareness around it. So that could be part of integration. Or integration could be 
you, you, you don't need the education of it. Let's say it's, I want to get healthy or I am healthy. So how you integrate that is you clean out your cupboards in your fridge of all the junk food. Right. That's an action right there. And so part of integration is also patience and, and practice and stabilization, getting it stable. Right. You're gonna fuck it up. You're gonna fall back. It's not about never falling back. It's how quickly can you recognize that and come back on and bring more reps and more practice until it's so stable and solid that it's fixed, permanent, transformed. I love that. I love that. That That's amazing. I love your approach because that's very different than... Is a different perspective of the way a lot of self-help approaches take. And to me, it sounds even more transformative. And that that's just, I really enjoyed you sharing that. That was really incredible. Um, yeah. And sometimes I just think at this point in my life, I'm just living my life. That's how I'm integrating. You know, I'm just not over-examining myself or trying too hard to make it perfect or whatever it is, right? <laughs> that yeah. too, that too. You brought up a very, very good point, especially for those of us that love to always dig deep and continue <laughs> to, you know, pick ourselves apart to try and get to enlightenment or perfection. So play. Yeah. Play. Turn all that off and just get out there and go dancing, go play, go have fun with friends. <laughs> <laughs> go let that, that inner child be fully expressed. Go do some improv, whatever it is. Some karaoke yeah. or something. Some karaoke. <laughs> go cook a fun meal. Uh, yeah. Stop dissecting yourself and let it just happen naturally and organically. Yeah. Thank you so much, Anat. That was beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we are... Man, that was a, a very man. That was so much great wisdom packed into one show. We talked about a lot of stuff, and I hope everybody gets as much value out of today's show as I did. This was incredible. Thank you so much. I would love it if you would share with my audience where they can find you. I know you are you still doing training camp for the soul? Are, are you doing it all year or certain times of the year? How is that going? Yeah, so I have my signature retreat this coming June in San Diego. It's the last one for a while because my husband and I want to start to a family. Um, oh, wow. And I do have a virtual program where uh, we launch every every few months. Next one is end of April, um, where you get supported through uncovering all these different parts of you and uh, integrating it all. Um, and uh, I have my facilitator training, which I will be continuing on next year. So those that are looking to get trained in my method, um, as far as where you can reach me, I'm most active on Instagram. So if you follow me there, I message every new follower because I'm always curious to know about you and what you're dealing with and how I can support you with my content best or in any other ways. If you want to connect with me, um, follow me on Instagram. If you're curious more about my work, trainingcampforthesoul.com is my website. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Yeah. And that's a unique thing that pe uh, for people to do on Instagram is uh, to reach out to the people 
that are following you. That's a, that's beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah. yeah thank you Allison, for having me. It's been fun. And thank you listeners for um, spending your time tuning in to us. Absolutely. Your life is your greatest work of art, and it all relates back to the synchronicity.